you know, we, we feed them a lot, a lot. And there's a lot of food involved. Welcome to Sarah Talk Skating, answering all the questions you have about skating, but didn't know who to ask. I'm Sarah, an inline street and speed skater. I'm on staff for Wednesday Night Skate New York City and Empire Skate Club, helping plan our annual event, Big Apple Roll. For indoor and outdoor speed skating, I skate for Ohana Racing out of Whitehall, Pennsylvania. I'm also a Rollerblade brand and athletic brewing company brand ambassador. This episode of Sarah Talk Skating is brought to you by the Florida Inline Marathon. Stay tuned until the end for a discount code just for our listeners. Today, we're talking about USARS, skating's national governing body. Here today is Gypsy Lucas, who holds a grassroots seat on the USARS Board of Directors and is the chair of the Speed Committee. She's also a Hall of Famer, a three-time world champion in inline speed skating, a two-time X Games downhill inline champion, a Pan Am Games champion, a Pan Pacific champion, and a six-time Team USA inline coach. Gypsy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. You have such an impressive resume. So tell me a little bit about your background in skating. Well, I am a third generation roller skater. My grandparents on both sides took my parents to skating class and were involved in the skating rinks way back. And my parents did speed skating and figure skating uh, growing up and they met skating and, and the rest, as they say, is history. Two days after I was born, I was in a roller skating rink and, and learned how to stand up on roller skates. And my first competition, I was 18 months old in, in a figure skating competition. And I did uh, speed skating, roller derby, roller hockey. I've done downhill inline. I teach. I lived in New York City for a little bit up in your neck of the wow. woods. And uh, I actually started a company called uh, the Skate Truck NYC, and we rented roller skates in Central Park. That's kind of my my feather in my cap is the skate truck. And uh, I own two roller skating rinks in Waco, Texas, and I assist uh, with USA Roller Sports and and on the board and on the on the speed committee. And my plate is very full, very full. <laughs> It sounds like you're busy. I had no idea about the New York City yeah. connection. Yeah. So it, we, uh, my husband and I lived there from 2011 until 2014. And uh, 2012 to 14, we had the truck up there. And when we moved back to Texas, we brought it back to Texas with us. And uh, yeah, so we, we were in Central Park every summer for two years and renting skates and teaching and doing skate parties. And it was good fun. Oh, we just missed each other. So tell me exactly about your role within USARS. I see all your Facebook posts, but I don't really know that much about the grassroots seat means or the chair of the speed committee. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So USA Roller Sports is a nonprofit organization that is recognized by the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. And we are the national governing body for all roller sports in the United States, which includes speed skating, figure skating, rink hockey, roller hockey, a couple of new uh, kind of aggressive skating. So there's freestyle inline. There's all kinds of, of skating events that we're actually not involved in in the United States that they are internationally that we're trying to get moving as well. And then uh, USA Roller Sports is underneath the World Skate Umbrella, which is the international governing body overall roller sports. And they host the World Roller Games, which is happening in October, November this year in Argentina. 
So the purpose of USA Roller Sports is, is to encourage roller skating and competitive roller skating. And originally when it was created, um, it was the RSROA, which was a combination of the Roller Skating Association and the Amateur Confederation, which was USAC. And so there was a, you know, a split from them back in the, in the 70s, I believe, and kind of went their own way. And so you have the rink operators with Roller Skating Association, you have the sport and with USA Roller Sports. So we have to have a board. So I'm on uh, one of the seats of the board. My board seat is the grassroots board seat. And the purpose of that is more of education and creating programs that will encourage new coaches, new skaters, and get them, you know, started in roller sports. And um, over the last four-ish years, USA Roller Sports and the grassroots and education committees have created Starscape, which is a program to teach inside of roller skating rinks, community centers. You could do it in Central Park, like you can do it anywhere. And uh, offering... Um, a discounted rate um, for class skaters. So instead of paying a full membership where you're going to go compete at the national championships, if you're only taking classes, cool, take classes for the rest of your life. We don't care. We want to <laughs> skate. We got it done right before COVID and then COVID. And so now we're ramping that back up and the education committee has taken that. And so when you're on the board, there's, you know, I think there's 17 on the board right now. So you have athletic representation. So every sport has an athlete rep and then every sport um, there's at large positions, which could be, you know, any sport um, you have a, an education, which is the grassroots you have the at-large, you have the sport representatives, you have technology folks, and then you've got your your pres, vice pres, you know, all those things going on. And so we meet face-to-face twice a year, and we have meetings um, via Zoom and or anything else, you know, maybe once a month, every once every two months. And our job as the board is to ensure that compliance is being done, which means anything that the Olympic Committee says you got to do, we make sure we do it. We follow the rules. And this recently, um, about five-ish years ago, it went to where it's a sport-driven organization. So that means the speed committee runs speed, figure committee runs figure. And then we just get the board to ratify the stuff. So the speed committee is where all of the the boot work is done, you know, the heavy lifting. And then we just present it to the board to say, you know, are we compliant finance wise? Are we good to go? Are we breaking any rules, et cetera? And they put their rubber stamp on it and we go about our business. So that's the board seat. And um, it's super challenging because you have all of the sports coming together and there's a lot of the board members who only have ever done their sport, and there's only a few of us that have done multiple sports. So um, 
when I first got on the board, I was there as an athlete representative, and that was back early 2000s. And, you know, I, I had played hockey. I had done figure skating. Roller derby wasn't there yet at the time. So it's like every time they would bring something, I was like, excuse me, I've actually played that sport and uh, I have a question. <laughs> and so now it's the same thing. Um, and I also have, own a skating rink. So I've kind of got a lot of different cards that I can throw into the deck to, to help and try to help at least as much as possible and, and give some background on someone who's done it and someone who runs the business doing it as well. So it's super challenging because you have all these different sports that are trying to go for the same. We all want the same thing. We want our sport to be recognized. We want our sports to be successful. We want as many people to roller skate as possible. And, you know, we don't want to charge an arm and a leg for everybody to do it. And we just have to work together, figure that out, make it work. Can we go into more of the disciplines that USARS covers? Because it's a big, you touched on it briefly earlier, but it's a big umbrella. And I just really kind of want to break it down and talk more about what exactly each one entails. Absolutely. So sports-wise, you have the sport of speed skating, and that encompasses indoor and outdoor. You have figure skating, covers like all the artistic, so dance, freestyle figures, you have rink hockey, which is short ball and cane on quads. Inline hockey, which is, you know, inline hockey, big sticks and a puck. There's also an, a kind of a full umbrella aggressive, which covers everything from inline freestyle, downhill inline. It can do scooters, skateboarding, things like that as well. So those are the main sports that are in there. And there's also a new style skate which is more like rhythm skating. So they're trying to figure out how to do, how to turn it into a sport. So they're working in their own committee underneath the guidelines of USA Roller Sports and trying to trying to push that as a new sport as well. So that's a new one. Some of the other committees include like technology and communication, finance, and then there's a compliance committee, which just makes sure that everybody's following the rules. And then... It's not really a committee, but our executive director, um, one of the things that Ricky Porter has to do is she is in constant communication with the Olympic Committee as well as Safe Sport and USADA, USADA. So anything that has to do with drug testing, just insurance, um, clean sport, performance enhancing drugs, things like that, and then safe sports. So she is constantly in communication with them. As the national governing body, you have to have safe sport under the Olympic umbrella to make sure that our, our minors are taken care of and that our adult athletes are taken care of and that nobody is taking advantage of them, bullying, predators. Like it just takes care of all of that. So that's kind of all the different committees and, and a few things that our executive director has to do. Does USARS cover skateboarding? So skateboarding is its own thing. So pre, I think it was 2018, um, USA Roller Sports actually put in a, a bid through the Olympic Committee to be the national governing body for skateboarding. We didn't get it, but it went to the organization that had been running skateboarding up until that time. It's super challenging when you have a sport that is so renowned worldwide and have never been under that umbrella for, hey, you got to follow all these rules. It may be that 
skateboarding ends up under the USA roller sports umbrella here in the future. But as of right now, it's not, you know, it's the only roller sport that's in the Olympics at the moment. And so that was a huge bonus for us, 2018 and 19, when it was the Olympics and and the roller games, because it was, it was amazing to watch, you know, and it was like, even though I don't skateboard, I was cheering them on because I was like, yay, it's rollering. I love it. Yeah, because I noticed that World Skate is the international governing body for skateboarding. Correct. Correct. So when you talk about sports in the United States, and you talk about like the general hierarchy of governing bodies, all governing bodies in the United States have to report to the Olympic Committee. Is that true? That is true. There's And there's two different levels. There's Olympic level and then there's Pan American level. So anything that's a high level sport is going to be Pan American and above. So that's how we're under that umbrella because we compete at the Pan American Games. We're not in the Olympic level, but we're still underneath that umbrella to have to follow those rules. So that's where you get USA Cycling, USA Swimming, USA Racquetball, USA Squash. You know, there's all kinds of, of sports that maybe aren't in the Olympics that are still underneath that umbrella because they compete at the Pan American Games. What exactly are the Pan American Games versus like the Olympics versus like maybe the World Games? So starting at the bottom, you have your world championships that are going to be just just a sport. And any any country that participates in that sport can host that world championships. Like in Europe, they do a European championships for almost every sport as well. So that's going to be all your European countries. The Pan American Games is everything in the Americas. So you're going to go from Canada all the way down to the bottom. It's an Olympic setting. The Pan Am Games that I competed in was in 1995, and it was in Mar del Plata, Argentina, which is kind of where we're going, you know, for world roller games this year. And so in our dorms, we had the U.S. soccer team. We had cycling. We had gymnastics. And then we had us roller skaters, you know, elbow rubbing with the fancy people. So it's it's kind of a mini Olympics just for, for that. And then you're going to have, like, Every, every country or area has their own. There's one that encompasses the whole continent of Africa. There's one that does Australia and all of the Asian countries. So there's many Olympics that happen, and ours just happens to be called the Pan American Games. Okay, so the Pan American Games are the America's equivalent of like the European Championships. Correct. That is interesting. I never thought about it like that, but it makes so much sense. I want to put a pin in that because I really want to talk about the basic structure of an athlete in USARS because I think the club structure is really confusing to people. And I feel like some sometimes people see events that they might want to compete in and they don't really understand what a USARS card is, what a membership is, because so much is what I know is speed skating. It comes up through the clubs. And if you don't live near a club, then you then you don't know. Right. So the structure starts with a membership and membership is basically uh, a secondary insurance policy. So anybody that hosts an event has to have a sanction through USA Roller Sports. So so I host two events here in Waco, Texas. Thanksgiving, we're on our 25th year. It's called the Texas Roundup and we do indoor and outdoor. I have to get a sanction one day is indoor, so I have a sanction for indoor. One day is outdoor. I have a sanction for outdoor because they're two different locations. I also charter my area as well. So anytime I have practices, my secondary insurance kicks in. And it, that way, if anybody comes to my practice and I'm chartered 
and they have their insurance, their membership, then they have that secondary insurance if anything happens to them. The membership is to is to give you that cushion, that buffer of the just in case something happens. And then the chartering of your location is to make sure that if you have practice there, anybody that has their membership is covered in that just in case moment. Sanctioning your event, everybody that participates in those events has to have the membership for the just in case moments. So it's just really, a, it's a secondary layer of insurance that just helps everyone. And that's also a part of how the organization has a budget to run their membership. And there's different levels of memberships as well for speed skating. You have your star skate, which is class structure. So in that one, you can't compete against anybody that has a full membership because you're thinking class skater, beginner skater, rental skates versus top in level. And so they they just skate against their class skaters. And then you have a single event card. So if someone wants to skate an event and they don't have a card, they can do a single event, which covers five days. It's $25 for that. And then the next one up is called a limited membership, which means you're not planning on skating any national events or any qualifying events. You just are going to skate locally or go to invitationals, national invitationals, but nothing that's a qualification or a championship. And those are 50. And then you have the full membership, which is $85. And that covers you for anything and everything that you want to go. So if you wanted to go skate internationally, you would have to have a membership through the NGB to be allowed to skate in an event that's sponsored by the Colombian national governing body. So it's reciprocal between the countries. And so like when people go to Geisingen over Easter, they have to have their membership in the USA because it is sponsored and sanctioned by the membership organization in Germany. So that reciprocal. So anybody that wants to come skate any events for us, they just have to show their membership in their national governing body. So it just works back and forth. So you've got those different levels. And then the the cool thing that that the board did recently was if you get that full membership, you can play more than one sport. So for me, I have a full membership because I play roller derby still. My membership in my my derby athlete makes it to where I can go skate in a figure event or a speed event. I just have to note that on my membership. So it's kind of cool that you can try other sports within the, the umbrella and make it to where you're not just one. Whereas in the past, it used to be you had to buy two separate memberships to be able to do that. But when you register for USARS, you need to be attached to a club, correct? Nope. You can be an unattached skater. So anybody can get a card from anywhere that they want. And if they're unattached, that just means that like my my club ID is, is TX350, which is it numbers all the skating rinks, basically. You know, in North Carolina, like High Point, North Carolina, his his membership club ID is NC1. So it's based on that. So if you don't have a club and want to compete, you can just put unattached on there and all that information just comes straight to you then. So the challenge that you have is getting the information out there. So USA Roller Sports has their website, which is challenging if you're not sure where things are. 
it's challenging to navigate. So we post a lot of things through a newsletter that comes directly from the office. So anybody that's a member has that opportunity to join that mail list so that they can get, it's a bi-weekly newsletter that just sends out a ton of information. And then we post on our Facebook page for speed skating. We have USA Roller Sports speed skating. And then there's a main page of just USA Roller Sports, which is kind of covers every sport. And then figure has their own, hockey has their own. And that way the sports can be specific with what information. In speed skating, we also have several different groups that are already established. So, you know, inline talk. And then we also have a private group that's for coaches only. So anybody that is a registered current coach for USA Roller Sports can be added to this private group. And that's where conversations happen on proposals and here's some information. What about this meet? And and a lot of coaches will go back and forth and that way they can have that conversation as a coach and then disseminate that information to their skaters as well. I think that most of our listeners are probably going to be speed oriented. So I kind of wanted to get into the nitty gritty of the flow of an athlete. So you're in a, you're in a club or you're not you're going to meets that are sanctioned by USARS, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They kind of build upon each other, right? Like I've heard, I, I don't know what an invitational is, but I've heard regionals being thrown around. And then of course there's nationals and then there's world. So can you talk about a skater who's practicing at a rink or with an outdoor team or, or something like that, or someone that's a member of USARS, they're in their club. What is their progression throughout the year in terms of events that USARS is putting on? So I'll just use my club, for example. Um, My club's called Inside Edge Racing, and we have two practices a week indoor and a practice a week outdoor. So what we do is we get everybody to just start coming to practice. We encourage the races at our public skating session, and we tell them, you know, hey, you know, you're really fast. You should come to our speed class. We can teach you how to go faster. And we're going to start a new program as well through our Starscape coming this season. And we're going to start a, a local, local only, and it, we're going to call it Friday Night Races. And we're going to we're gonna try to get, because we have two rinks, we're going to try to get one rink to come to the other rink and have a race once a month and go back to the other mm-hmm. rink and just race once a month and see who is the fastest in Waco, Texas. And, and honestly, I'm going to try to trick them into loving speed skating because all of my rink rats skate on quad skates and skate on hockey skates. So the challenge is getting them into a speed skate. So that's the first step is trying to get someone involved, getting them in that star skate program. And once they're hooked, then you go in and say, okay, we're going to go to our local league meet. So our region is the South Central region, and the region is Texas, New Mexico, Louisiana, and Arkansas. And getting the folks from Arkansas to drive to Houston, that's a challenge because of the length of, of drive time. And the same for, for New Mexico. So uh, most of our league meets go from Houston to Dallas, and then there's one that happens in Little Rock. And so that's kind of our corridor here in our region. And the league meets that we have, we'll do them once every six weeks-ish or so. And it's geared towards that novice beginner skater. The higher level elites, they're welcome to come in, but it is geared towards, you know, your your first year of skating. 
you know, so that, and we're also teaching new officials how to officiate, what to see, and new meet directors, new timers. So that way you've got all of your locals that are just jumping in to help and learn. And then all the coaches really just kind of help each skater figure out, hey, you know, try this on your next pass, try this on your next race. And so those happen about once every six weeks. And then invitationals are larger meets, like our Thanksgiving meet is an invitational. We send out invitations to every club in the re- in the nation. And, and we also send out to some clubs in Mexico and Colombia. And we've had people from, from France and people from Chinese Taipei come over. So we, we have a lot of reach just from our, our background, but we try to get as many people as possible. So it's kind of like, okay, I'm doing my league meets. Now I'm going to go to this invitational and see where I'm at. So ours is kind of, um, Thanksgiving is kind of the first dip in the pool, so to speak, after your time off and coming into the season. So you can see where you're at and that you know what you need to work on. And then the next invitational is normally the Emerald Coast Invitational, which is in Milton, Florida in January. So you got that two months of, okay, at Thanksgiving, I did this. Let me let me work on this during December, the beginning of, of January. Now let's go to this next big one and see where we're at. So invitationals happen about every six weeks too. There are some invitationals that have been established for 30 years that have been going strong the whole time. And there are some invitationals that last year was their first one. So, and it's just basically, you know, you're inviting as many people as possible from all over the nation to come and, and, and race. And then the next one is regionals, which at the moment, there's not a qualification to nationals. So regionals is not a qualifying event, but they normally in the past would happen in May. And then you would take your first three and they would qualify to the national championships. And then for us, we hosted regionals here at this location you know, for, for many, many years. And last year and a year before when they decided to not have regionals as a qualifier, we just changed the names to Texas Roller Games because we were like, let's do some derby and some hockey and some other stuff and try to do a bunch of different things and all in one weekend. So we do figure and speed on that weekend and, and we just changed the name Texas Roller Games and that way we can expand from that later on. And uh, if they decide to make it a qualifier again, we're already still set up in the same same time period and move from there. And then you have your national championships, which is your cream of the crop, top of the top. Nationals is over a seven day period and you get three races, a short, a middle, a long. You get all of your relays, which is nine different relays. If you skated everything, it's kind of kind of obnoxious, but whatever. And then you have quads, which has um, three division uh, races, short, middle, long, as well as your relays as well. So that's kind of the progression for indoor skating. And then outdoor skating is a little bit different um, because we are not established in, in our country as an outdoor skating country because we have roller skating rinks. So our main thing is indoor skating, whereas France, which is the size of Texas, has 22 bank tracks and one roller skating rink. France does? Yes. Wow. Yes. 
And and like in Colombia, you can go down in Bogota. The city of Bogota has like four or five tracks. So, but no roller skating rinks. So that's where that's where we as a country struggle because we don't have a lot of the resources that other countries have because we are focused so much on the roller skating rink versus an outdoor setting. So we found here in Waco, we found a 400 meter um, flat track. It's a running track that's asphalt. We made friends and that's where we skate. And so we chartered that and we can use that for camps. We can use it for events. Most of the outdoor events that happen in the States are connected to an indoor race because everybody's going to come to that indoor race and you hope that three quarters of them stay. Most of the time, half of them stay. And then you've got a couple of outdoor series that are happening now. You've got another organization that's hosting an outdoor series, Three Rivers, over in, I believe, Ohio, somewhere over there. And then you have the Pad Series, which is down in Tampa. And those are pretty much your your outdoor series. You have the SoCal Skaters that, that you do a lot of marathons and races out in California. But as far as an established national series, there isn't one. And most of the outdoor events, you know, like for us, we skate outdoor a lot and we do a lot of camps down here. So in the outdoor series, we do we do camps and the USOPC puts stipulations on who can skate at the Colorado camp and the Colorado championships. So when we skate on the on the velodrome in Colorado, the Olympic Committee is in charge of that. So they say in order to skate on that, you have to have a qualification, but that's for bank track. And we only have two bank tracks at the moment. And one's in Miami, Florida, and one's in Colorado Springs. And a third one is being built at the moment. They just broke ground on it this last week. And that's in Milton, Florida with Dave Weber, which is super exciting because he's building a parabolic and he's going to have Vismaco on it. And it's going to be the best track that we will have in the United States. I'm very excited about it. I'm so excited about that. Yes. So talk to me about outdoor nationals. It's not just track, right? Correct. So pre-COVID, our outdoor national event was typically held in Colorado Springs. And Colorado Springs put a a tent over the dome. Um, They call it the dome. They put a tent over the track, call it the dome. It's a 200 meter bank track and it's inside the cycling velodrome. And then we would skate either at the um, PPIR racetrack, which is a car racing facility that's just south of there in Fountain, Colorado. And we would skate there for our road portion. And then sometimes if that wasn't available, we had parking lots, which was not ideal, but we got to deal with what we got sometimes. And so we would typically do that. And the Team USA tryouts and the national championships happen at the same time. So you have division races, which are any skater that's not trying out for team. And it starts at eight and under with primaries and goes all the way up to masters. They'll get typically three races on the track, three races on the road. Whereas team USA tryouts follows the same program as world skate for the world championships that year. The challenge sometimes is World Skate changes their mind as to what races they're going to skate after we set our programs up. So we just have to follow the USOPC guidelines and make sure that, you know, we're compliant and that we're following the same path and 
and doing doing what they want us to do, but still following WorldScape. So it's done over um, a seven-day period. Again, you've got three days that skate on the track. Sometimes you'll have an uh, off day in the middle and then two and a half, three days on the road. And then at the end of the event, you'll have your Team USA qualifiers, which is typically six male, female, junior, senior, so 24 athletes total. And then you'll have your staff. They all meet at the end and get all their ducks in a row to make sure that they can be entered into the World Roller Games for their, or World Championships and go from there. And so there is no World Championship for indoor speed skating, just outdoors. Correct. Joe Hanna, who is the coach for Astro in Orlando, Florida, he is actually the representative for World Skate for indoor racing, and they have tasked him with creating an indoor program that's international that we can host a world championships and the goal is by 2023 next year so he's working on getting that done um huge endeavor to host a world championship lots of countries are skating indoor now so if you if you google like indoor championships france they skate in a gymnasium and it's slick you know but their cones are different they do more of an outdoor style because, again, they are they are geared towards outdoor versus the United States being geared towards indoor. And so they're, they have like 12 people on a line for, for a long race, whereas our rules state you can only have seven depending on the size of the rink. So a, a few, few differences between the two, but typically overall very similar as far as indoor is concerned. Uh, you touched on this uh a little bit. So you have your outdoor nationals, you have Team USA qualifiers, you have your Team USA. Where are they going? So this year, for example, we are we're having our qualification over Labor Day and then we're working on getting them together after the Florida Marathon, which we're hoping all of them participate in. And then we just stay in Florida for a week and do a little bit of training down in Miami and then get on a plane and go down to Argentina and get after it. So then from there, they can also be qualified to compete at other events. As we talked about, world championships are in every sport every year. I feel like whenever I say something about Team USA, they're like, oh, the Olympics. Like, no, every world championships are once a year for every sport. Right. But what's the difference between your regular world championships and the world roller games? Because I feel like I hear those two terms used interchangeably. Yep. So world championships happen every two years and world roller games happen every two years. So the world championships last year for speed was in Ibagué, Colombia. It was just speed skating. Right. So the speed skating organization of Colombia put together their their championships, seven days, run it. There you go. The World Roller Games is every sport on wheels. So it's over a three week period and there's going to be skateboarding, derbies, hockey, speed, figure, all in one area. So it's the Olympics of roller sports, basically. We'll come in and we'll have an opening ceremony with everybody. There'll be a closing ceremony. All of the sports, all of the teams will go in and it's a huge, huge endeavor. The first one was in China in 2017 and then Barcelona in 2019. And then they postponed last year and moved it to this year. And then this year we're in Argentina. So, you know, 11 different venues going at the same time and 
thousands of athletes. Like it's a huge endeavor. What is the difference or is there a difference between the national team and the world team? The national team is going to be like your top 10. And then your team USA, your world team is just those six that go in each sport or in each uh, category. So junior ladies, for example, you'll have your top six, which will qualify to go. And it's split up this year to be more more specialized. Like position A that will qualify is your actual time trial sprinter. So that's going to be your 100 meter and your 200 meter. So that gives someone who is a true sprinter an opportunity to just make the team on two races. As the competition goes, we've got, we've created these spreadsheets where we can plug in all the numbers and all of the actual placements and it just pops out and lets us know who's in what position. And so we'll take those top 10 positions and then that'll be your actual national team. So when we do a, a camp later on in the year, in the season, we'll invite all those national team skaters to come and skate together. And so a perk of being on the national team is, A, you get to be in this national team and invite invitation only. And we don't charge them for those camps because we want them to come and learn. We'll always have um, the current or the previous team staff be those coaches so that way they can get comfortable with who those people are. We'll also have volunteers that will come in and assist as well. So I'm the manager this year for, for team Kelly Springer and Jay Ingram are the coaches. So that's who we did in March. We knew that they were the coaches already. So we had them be in charge of the national team. And then I ran the camp with Tony Cabral and we were the coordinators and just kind of played quarterback basically. So we do that. And then we do those camps during other camps as well. So we'll have a level one, which is the qualifiers, which is um, your beginners, someone who's never skated on a, on a bank track before. And then we'll also have a level two, which are those that didn't make national team, but they've already qualified. So they're, they're working to get to that higher level, but we do them all at the same time so that they can see what goes on in that national team and say, that's what I want to do. I want to learn how to do that. And we, we have the opportunity, we give the coaches the opportunity to move people around with, within their camp. So if you have someone who's in a level two, who is killing level two, we just go ahead and move them up, even though they're not part of that national team, because we see the potential and we know that we need to assist, give them a leg up, you know, because that could be what could get them on the national team the next year. Gotcha. So you talked about Starsgate and the ideas to get is for is for learning. But I feel like everybody that I know of that's on the world team or the national team, they came up through the indoor community and that's how they got into skating. And they just have all these years and years of experience. What about an adult skater that wants to come in that's that's pretty fast and just doesn't know about all this, never had the opportunity to do indoors? What opportunities are there for somebody like that or for somebody that has been you know, mainly just an outdoor skater? So there are lots of opportunities with camps to be able to come in and learn. Our track and road championships that are in two weeks in Florida, there's the master's division, there's 25 and older, 35 and older, 45 and older, 55 and older. That way you've got, you can cover all of those ages all the way up. Now you can come and skate nationally and do and learn how to do the bank track and, and get in with those camps as well. And there's also international racing that happens for 
uh, master's divisions, master's, even though 25, you know, we have Team USA members who are in their 30s. So that there are events that happen in Europe that are for 35 and older only, and they're going just as fast as those 19 year olds. And then there's also events that happen internationally that are geared towards your recreational skater, like the Berlin Marathon. So the Berlin Marathon is one of the stops on the World Cup when there's about seven or eight marathons that happen throughout the world. And there's big prize money, big sponsorships, but the main focus of these things are the rec skaters. So Berlin Marathon has 8,000 skaters that skate. And only 1% of those are your elite skaters. Everybody else is a, is a new skater or just loves to skate, you know, working on their personal best. And that's something that we're trying to create here in the United States. There, we have as many skaters here in the United States as the Berlin Marathon does. It's just we got to get them to say, hey, let's go to the Florida Marathon and let's do that. And so what they're doing for the Florida Marathon is, is that first step of trying to get more people involved. The Duluth Marathon, the same concept. You know, those two, those two major events are pulling people from international internationally who do these marathons and that way we can help it grow and grow and grow. So that's really the step for an older skater who's getting in is come out, get a camp, come out and skate with us and let those international coaches teach how to skate on a bank track because then that's going to translate into your marathon. It's going to translate into your technique and just help you help you get better at whatever your goals are. So I think that would be a great a great way to get them to get started in in speed skating. I think a lot of times I know the mistake that I made was just thinking that marathons were the only thing available in speed skating and kind of having to like beat down everyone's door to find out, Hey, what's, what's outdoor nationals? Like, yep. how can I go there? And yep. not everyone's willing to be as annoying as I am, which is why I started this podcast. Well, <laughs> I love it. Well, then, then my, my question would be like, what can, what can USA Roller Sports do and where, what are the avenues that we are missing so that we make sure we get those athletes the information? Because if there's one, there's 10. And so, you know, we, we want to know how to get there. And because like with our background, everybody that's a part of USA Roller Sport has come from that indoor and, and we, we are a small community. So sometimes, you know, when that happens, you know, we just get set in our ways and we forget to be honest. <laughs> yes. So, you know, how, how do we get out there? So that's, that's our challenge is that we need to make friends with you and all your friends, right. And say, okay, what's the best way for us to get information to you? How do we tell everyone about outdoor nationals? How do we tell everyone about the camp and how do we get the information that we can help um, the Florida inline marathon and the Duluth marathon? How do we get those people to come and do more events? And does that mean we need to do more criterium races, more marathons, more track races, more, more, more. And those are the things we need to know so that we make sure that everybody has the information and can compete as much as possible. I think more criterium events, like personally, I think more criterium events would be great because the only ones that are really uh, advertising towards rec skaters tend to be the marathons. And I, mm-hmm. I'm on staff for Wednesday night skate. So I get all the time, you know, like, I just, I don't really like to skate distances. Like, you know, I like to sprint and it's like, 
you know, I wish that there were more options for people that, you know, like they're athletes, like they're fast. Right. Like we have people pushing the pace on Wednesday nights all the time. We have people coming to Prospect Park that are like scrappy urban skaters, but they, they can hold a pace and they can probably skate with those people at Outdoor Nationals just as well as the people yeah. coming from the indoor world. And it's just a marathon's not their flavor. Right. So yeah, doing more criterium races, I think, in more spaces would be would be great. Like especially geographically. Yeah. Oh, and also just advertising it, like especially to the street skates, because we've just seen like even on Wednesday night skate, we're pulling in like 250, 300 every Wednesday now. They right. see me in like my speed skates, and it's mainly staffed by speed skaters. And so people people ask questions like, "What is this? Like, what is Outdoor Nationals? What is USARS? Can we talk a little bit about Team USA and what USARS's role is in sending Team USA? So like selecting coaches, what funding is available, scholarships if there are any, and what the logistics are like when everyone goes to like the world champions, what is, what is USARS doing behind the scenes? So step one is, you know, we have to be recognized by, by the USOPC and world skate as the governing body. And then from there, we select our team USA and that is done by application. So anybody that's interested in being a coach has to apply that way. We know that they're interested and they send that in through the national office and the speed committee will go through and discuss their background, their resume. Have they participated in any of the camps? Have they been coached before? Have they gone internationally? Is this their first time? Takes all of that in consideration and then selects based on that and then sends that to the board for ratification. Board comes back and asks us a bunch of questions, making sure that we're following all the compliance issues, and then they ratify it, put a rubber stamp on it. What we do as well is we'll select a junior coach, senior coach, a delegate, which is a manager, and that that position is the one that talks to world skate and the officials during the event. So they're the one who needs to know who the players are and knows the processes and knows the rules. So pretty, that's me this year. So like I have, you know, rule books that are already printed and marked up so that I know where to go. I've got names of everybody that are the players. I know which bottle of wine to bring Francois, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then that way I know, know who I need to go to. And then the fourth position is another manager. And that manager is the one that pretty much runs and takes care of kids and makes sure that everything is where they need to be. Numbers, they got the right uniform on, you know, just really, really focusing on making sure the behind the scenes stuff is happening so that the kids Kids and the officials, um, the athletes don't have to see all the stuff that happens because it's it's a lot. And then so right now we've been working for the last two months on solidifying hotels, transportation, getting our track time challenge you know, taken care of, uh, depending on where it's at. Sometimes it's, you know, months and months and months in advance when we get information. Sometimes it's not. The other thing that we have to do is we have to send the entries into WorldScape. And once it's in there, then all the manager has to do is click the button on, on your name and, and, slide it over into the entry form and you're done. And then uh, once the entry is in, we have to make sure all the payment is done from the national office for the team. And there's a, a 
an entry that is due like for the team. So there's one price for the team and then there's one price for individuals as well, as well. So lots of, lots of different um, things going on with entries on that. And then once that's done and we get all the, all the names, everything's in entries in, then we start focusing on making sure the kids have what they need. So our uniform sponsor this year is kit lab. So he's already taken a lot of sizing from a lot of the hopefuls at nationals. So we had some uniforms there for people to try on. So that's going to happen when we have our meeting on September 7th and they'll get all their final uniform sizing. And then he'll rush to get all that taken care of to make sure that the kids have what they need prior to leaving the United States. And then once we get to Argentina, that's when the craziness happens. (laughs) And so having, having the team all together, you got 24 athletes who are, you know, half of them are minors and, and then you've got a lot of parents that come with. So it's wrangling cats. It's trying to get them all to move as one, you know, here's our, here's our bus, here's where we're eating, here's doing this. So we try to ensure that, you know, food wise, they have what they need. Normally I will bring one whole bag that's just food and peanut butter and jelly, you know, and that's all we do is, you know, we, we feed them a lot, a lot. There's a lot of food involved. So we ensure that they've got what they need there. We organize through our local organizing committee or a contact that we'll have in the country. We have to pre-schedule our track training prior to official training starting. Um, We'll go through and look at the road. Um, The road is actually on a road, so we can't skate on it until they actually close the road off, which will be two days prior to. So we'll go and see where it's at first, get some feel of it, walk it. Once the competition starts, like a day before the competition, the managers will go to the meeting. We've got to check them all in. We get all their uniforms, their numbers. We make sure everything is where it needs to be. And then everybody gets a timing chip. So you have to put deposits down for timing chips and we got to make sure everybody has their timing chip and that they get their right timing chip. And then once the competition starts, you know, you trust that the athletes after five days get, they have this comfort level of that they can come and talk to us and get what they need, but also trust that they're going to do their job and be where they need to be when they need to be there so that the coaches can be coaching them and the managers can handle, you know, the managing portion of it and the delegation portion of it. And they don't have to worry about, about chasing, chasing people around, but again, they're kids. So sometimes that happens. So it's a lot of scheduling. There's a lot of behind the scenes scheduling. There's a lot of, you know, where are we eating, which happens, you know, everywhere. What are you eating tonight? You know, we're having that conversation now. The biggest challenge is just making sure that, you know, our paperwork from a manager side is making sure the paperwork is correct. You know, when we make mistakes paperwork wise, it it's costly. So we have to make sure that we are on the ball and it is a 24 seven job for two weeks and it's exhausting and I love it. And, you know, try to help try to help as many as possible, give them what they need and, and be their sounding board and, and keep them safe keep them well-fed, keep them watered, keep them, you know, stretched, keep them ready to go so that they only have to worry about racing. They don't have to worry about 
any of the other things, which is always a challenge. So it's a lot of um, just making sure that the pieces are in the right place. The other thing that the coaches and the staff do together is the based on outdoor nationals, each one of us will have notes on every one of these skaters and we'll, we'll have notes on what races were their best race. Not only will we have their points from outdoor nationals, but we'll watch their racing strategies and what they do. If they all come to Florida prior to, then we'll have notes there. The five days before we start competing, when we're skating on the track, we'll have notes there, you know, and see. And the, the biggest challenge that the staff has is selecting the two skaters to skate in each race. Because even though you have six skaters on the team, only two are allowed in each race. So you have sprinters, you've got the middle distance and distance skaters. So someone who might have been great at outdoor nationals in six weeks, maybe they're not. And vice versa. Someone who was okay at outdoor nationals may be stellar at, you know, when it's time to compete at Worlds. So the coaching staff will get together. They will discuss, you know, this one, here's the notes on this. Here's the times. A lot of times are taken at all these things as well. And they do the best they can to make the decision for who's going to be the best two in that race right then. All of the entries into each race are done 24 hours in advance. So you have to send in by five o'clock, really, and go see Francois. That's why I know the bottle of wine. And (laughs) he puts everything into the computer. Once you put it in, it's in. So then we have to have these meetings with the kids and talk to them. And okay, here at the beginning of it, we're like, all right, this is what we're thinking. And we'll say two or three skaters in each race. And then that way, you're giving yourself, if, if someone is clearly the best 100 person, we're going to be like, you're skating the 100. But then if you have two that are like right together and their times are close and that's when it gets challenging is like, okay, who's the, who's the next best person we can put in this race? The other challenge we have is because there isn't any funding, everyone pays their own way. There's a, a very large debate in, in the coaching world for USA Roller Sports as to, well, if they're paying their own way, they should get to skate. Last year, there was a, a big conversation because one of one of the athletes who went, you know, paid their own way, didn't get to skate. Times were showing that they weren't the top two in any of the races. And that athlete's mother was not very happy. And I cannot blame her. You know, if you're going to spend that amount of money and it's your first international event and you don't get to race because top two get to race, it, it, it stings, it hurts. Right. So we're, there's a big debate on that. My personal opinion on that is your first international race should not be the world championships. Let's go to Colombia. Let's go to Geisingen. Let's go to the Trois-Pistes in France. Let's go over to Australia. Let's go somewhere and let's go race. I want to do another plug for Starskate. Tell me about how to get involved with that, where people can find it and who it's for. So on the website, you can go to learntorollerskate.org. On the Starskate, you can go through usarollersports.com as well and, you know, just search up Starskate. In order to be a Starskate coach, so I can get my DJs here at the skating rink to be a certified teacher. And it's $45 for me to do that through the rink. And then the membership is $15. And so the idea again is that 
there's a, a platform and a program that starts off with the basic roller skating skills. So there's five different levels and level one is like falling down and getting up skating forward, stopping, you know, the basics. And then level two is one foot balance. You know, everything that you would do in a learn to skate program, once you get to the end, because all of that's required for every sport, doesn't matter which sport you do, you got to learn how to skate on one foot in order to cross over. Once you get to the end of those five programs, then you can split off and say, okay, I want to be a speed skater. And now we're going to focus on our you know, our power box, our speed skating stance, our crossing over. We're going to work on balance on an edge. We're going to work on backwards balance on an edge. So that way it takes it, it takes all those skating skills that you learned in the basics and then moves it to the next level that's more sport specific. So then you can go speed skating, roller derby, hockey, and figure skating. And, and there's different levels of those as well. And it just works to where it helps the teacher say, here's level one, here's what we're doing. Okay, you learned how to fall down. Here's a sticker. Great job. Once you get done with level one, hey, you, your congratulations, you you passed, you graduated to level two, here's a certificate, here's a pin, here's your lanyard, here's this, and then you move on to the next one. And it, it's, a, it's a program to help the kids continue because they've got seven or eight skills in each level that they've got to work on and get those stickers, get those check marks, get the pin, and move on to the next one. And so it helps build on every single time. And then once you get to the end, same thing for speed. So when you're doing that speed skating portion, it's, you know, it, again, it helps the coach to say, you know, when I have new skaters that come to my, my big class, it's like, ah, oh, what do I do with them? Cause I'm supposed to be doing intervals today and I've got someone who can't cross over. So that way it helps me when I've got someone here helping me coach, I can be like, right, I need you to do level one. Okay. I'm going over here to help my, my higher end skaters. And, and that way it just kind of helps give you a program. It helps you with marketing materials. If you need it, a lot of the, the rinks that have been using and a lot of the coaches that have been using star skate, they have been predominantly figures so far. And then a lot of the speed coaches haven't utilized the Starscape program in its full capacity yet. So that's kind of what we're working on now is trying to educate the coaches on how they can utilize this program, indoor, outdoor, community centers. Um, and that way they can utilize it anywhere and just try to build their numbers. Uh, with bigger numbers come bigger events, bigger numbers, you know, bigger pool to choose from for Team USA, like you said, 12 to 6, right? And it's just, it's a numbers game. So the idea is that Star Skate is going to help you get those numbers so that you can have a bigger club. And, and at the end of the season, you've got 20 kids going out or nationals instead of two. So that's kind of the idea is that we want to build that lower grassroots base so that our higher end, we've got a higher peak to go from. And then that way we've got a, a bigger 1% to choose from when we do have Team USA tryouts. Exactly. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sarah Talk Skating. This episode is brought to you by the Florida Inline Marathon, the United States' newest and fastest growing inline marathon. Cut up beautiful Nathan Benderson Park in sunny Sarasota, Florida, and a World Inline Cup associated race, this year's event will be held on October 16th. 
Featuring full marathon, half marathon, and 10K distances for both inlines and quads, the Florida Inline Marathon has something for skaters of all abilities. Sign up today and use discount code SARATOXSKATING, all lowercase, no spaces, for $10 off your entry.